I've got a couple of uh, announcements about Nicaragua, so I'm going to invite uh, Donovan and Katie to uh, come up and come down, whatever, and okay. talk about that. Sure. Good morning. So we just wanted to share just briefly a few things that are going on um, in Nicaragua. Nicaragua, um, in the um, they call it the Casa Hogar, but Youth with Hope. And so with COVID, they had um, kind of a different year last year with having the kids. They had to stay home and they would take them work and then pick it up and, and, and they did a wonderful job um, having the kids keep rolling and a bunch of kids were still able to graduate on time. But this year, they just um, the school year's differently. It just started um, this last week. And so for, it's been since last maybe March or April since um, anyone has been really in the school building and they all started back this last week. So they're super excited down there. They're doing a little bit different thing this year. Instead of having a new crop of kiddos come in, they're continuing to work with the ones that even have graduated and doing like an after-school program and teaching computers and English. Um, some of the kids who graduated high school even are in college English classes and majoring in English and continuing that skill. It's a really life-giving skill down there for them. And so um, they're just super excited. This is awesome because they get to continue working with the same families. And uh, um, it's not just the kids, it's the moms and the dads. They've had moms um, taking classes and starting to graduate, kind of our form of GEDs and things like that. So it's really exciting that they all get to be together again. Uh, something else that's uh, pretty exciting. So at, the, at our business meeting, we talked about one of our big needs that's been going on for a while, um, but we wanted to share it for, for everybody here too. We've had um, a need for a van. Uh, so as you know, uh, the kids come from, from some difficult areas of town and are brought to the school. And so generally our staff will go pick them up. Sometimes there's public transportation, but it gets really difficult, especially with COVID. Uh, and so we just, we, we presented this request at our business meeting um, saying, hey guys, let's, let's crack this nut, let's figure out this van. It's about $15,000 for a 2016, you know, 30,000 kilometers, um, you know, so even less in miles uh, for a van. And so as we we're talking about it, chewing on it, praying about it, um, we we're looking at our financial situation as a church and we decided, Let's, uh, let's commit to doing a matching donation. $7,500 has already been pledged, so a dollar for dollar matching donation to, to hit that 15,000. So we'd really love to crack this, this thing. We've talked about it for a long time. Uh, really excited to see that we're in the place to put that up front to try to, try to figure this out. So if that's something you wanna be a part of, we are, uh, you know, so Hillside, has been the leading, I mean, with, with Mike and Katie and Chuck and Jesse, it's just, it birthed out of our community here. Um, but there's been so many other churches, other people around the country that have been involved uh, in just seeing this thing grow. Um, so they are also, there's other churches involved that will help us uh, as well to raise this. But if, if you know and there's creative ways that you want to be a part of helping us get to the, to the $15,000 mark, we want to we're going to try to get this thing figured out pretty quick. Rojo Loco is our old van, uh, crazy red, so we call it. It's really been on its last leg here for a while. We bought it uh, used in 2008. And, and we worked special. it hard when we lived down there. <laughs> <laughs> so be praying about that, uh, but that's pretty exciting just to know that we're in this place and, and we've got this, this head start, so thank you. 
Um, also, I'm just going to take this off because I'm going to show some pictures. On Facebook, I shared last week that um, one of the original boys that we met uh, when we were down there, I think it might have been the summer of 2007, and we called him Cesar Pequeño um, because he, there were two Cesars and he was the smaller of the two, even though he was the older of the two, um, but he passed away a week ago. Sorry, it's a given that I'm going to tear up, but we just really wanted to take a chance to honor him because even people sitting here, there are people here who know him and who have loved him, and he has loved us really well um, as a group of Hillside and our family specifically going down there. So, um, yeah, this is probably 2007 when we... I, I'm not clear how old he was then. I guess we should have done the math. He was probably mid-teens or so, um, even in that picture. And, um, yeah, this guy had a smile that just, everybody remembers his smile. Such a sweet um, young man. He, uh, Brayden wanted to share a few things, actually, because as you'll see in these pictures, they were pals. And I just wanted to share a couple stories um, here they are praying, and Cesar was one that when it was time to get down to business and pray, he put his heart into it, and he, um, he also was one that, he, he lived on the streets and didn't have much, and it was hard to make any money at all, but pretty much when we were with him, he would buy us, you'll see a picture of me holding a, a, a soda, and he would find a way to buy my kids, a, you know, bag of chips or a sucker or something like that and always bless them. Um, couple memories. Here's one. So when we lived down there in 2008 to 2009, at the very end, I don't know how we didn't know this, but apparently Nicaragua has a, it had a, um, I don't know if it still does, but a water park. And so we decided to go as a last hurrah. And my, one of my favorite memories is Brayden and Cesar going up, running up, going down the slide, running up, going down the slide. I swear they must have done it 40, 50 times. <laughs> it was hilarious. And that um, is one a sweet memory that I'll always remember about him. Another one is that probably 2016, 17, I can't remember exactly when it was, we saw him. Um, there's a picture actually of Jesse and I with some of the boys, and we were walking through the market. We had just shown up, and there they were, and they were so happy that we had come to town. They didn't know we were all coming to town to visit This Is It, um, Cesar on the left. But that evening, we went to the station and hung out and all gathered. It was a place that we used to go and gather with them quite a bit. And a bunch of us saw this. The, everyone, there's a bunch of people playing soccer. Cesar was off on the side. And he um, was walking. And he just did this, like, little happy twirl. And then got all, you know, kind of dizzy and <laughs> had to catch himself. But, uh, man, Beth saw it. I think Donovan saw it. It was the sweetest thing. He was just happy. Happy that we were with him and together again. And... Um, these are pictures. He's on the far right. It's a school now, um, but at that point, it, it was still a school, but the boys lived there, and so he was actually a part of that for quite a while. Um, he came to, I got to unwind, actually. <laughs> he came um, one day, and just, he could barely walk, and so by the time he walked to the home where it was at that point, he sat on a chair, and then he literally couldn't leave because he physically because of the glue addiction just had worn his body out 
at that point. And so he was in that home for quite a while and really recovered and did really well for a while. Um, yeah, that's the drink he had bought me. I swear that kid bought us more things and gave us more gifts than anyone. Um, Brage, you want to share a few? Little. I didn't really have a specific memory to share anything, but um, he was just one of the sweetest guys, and we loved all the boys, and they all loved us, but uh, sometimes they would tease us and pick on us a little bit, just as like big brothers kind of thing. But he would always um, be like the one to tell him like, hey guys, like stop. Like, and be the one taking care of us. And uh, he, yeah, he did um, make me a bunch of bracelets that I still keep in my keepsake box and um, he did buy us little things with the little money that he had that I know that he would buy us like a coke or whatever when he could have used it and it would have blessed like I, yeah it would have helped him out a whole lot more than it would have helped me but he with what little he had would buy me something just to show that he cared and he did have the best laugh, that he would just burst out and laugh. And his smile, I'll never forget it. And we had a, a kid CD that we made and gave to him that we actually made here at Hillside um, with, with the kids. And um, he we gave them to the boys, but him especially, he had some way to listen to it and would listen to it all the time. And then whenever we'd come be with him, he'd want us to sing the songs with him. And he knew all the words, even though he had no idea what he was singing, <laughs> just mumbling these English words. But, oh, you have the video? You're, you're going to show the video? It's dark, but it's super cute. Yeah. That he just. We have all we need in you. All we need in you. All we need is you. God, I want you more than anything. The glitters in this world. Yeah, Jesus, I'm consuming fire. He can have all my hands, table, my heart, my strength and soul. Be my all, all consuming fire. All we need in you. Nice. <laughs> anyway, we just wanted to honor him. Um, 
Gosh, he will be so missed. He's one of the guys that we go back. It's few and far between now when we get to go back. There's just been unrest and then COVID. And um, Malia and I got to go back last January, but the rest of the family hasn't been back since 2017, I think. And he's always there. Some of the boys aren't there anymore. They're men. I think Cesar was probably th over 30. Um, and yeah, he was always there. And so when we go back and he won't be there, that's definitely going to be a hole in our hearts. But we just want to take a time, a little bit of time, just to honor him for the blessing that he's been in our life. So thanks. Let's pray. We'll go into worship, time of worship. Father God, we uh, do just come before you and praise you and thank you for the life of Cesar Pequeño. Uh, we are grateful to have known him. He was such a sweet boy and sweet young man and we just uh, thank you that for the time that we were able to share for the joy that we brought him and probably more importantly the joy he brought us he was an incredible blessing to our hearts and to our community and lord we just want to honor him and bless him and just pray that he's there with you celebrating and that big smile is is lighting up heaven thank you god for those memories Thank you for the ministry in Nicaragua. Thank you for everything that's still going on, and we just pray for your continued blessings on it. Just ask for your blessings on this drive to uh, get them a van. Uh, just pray that you would open up all of our hearts uh, to give to that generously uh, so that they can uh, have the transportation they need. And thank you, Lord, for this time together this morning, this time in community. I would just pray that your Holy Spirit would be with us, leading us and guiding us in Jesus' name. Amen. Why don't we stand and sing of his great love? From the darkness I called your name Into darkness your mercy came You called me out, you lifted me up How great is your love you bore my weakness, you took my shame, buried my burdens in fields of grace. You called me out, lifted me up, how great is your love. From the heights of heaven, you stepped down to earth innocent perfection gave your life for us we are amazed and we stand in awe for we have been changed by the power of the cross how great how great how great is your love how great, how great, how great is your love. How great, how great, how great is your love for us. And in your kindness, you lead me home. In your presence, where I belong You called me out 
lifted me up. How great is your love from the heights, from the heights of heaven. You stepped down to earth in a sin perfection. Gave your life for us. We are amazed and we stand in awe. We have been changed by the power of the cross. How great, how great, how great is your love. How great, how great, how great is your love. How great. How great, how great is your love for us? How great, sing how great, how great, how great is your love? Oh, how great, how great, how great is your love? How great, how great. How great is your love for us? How great is your love for us? God, help us to grasp this morning how great your love is for us. No matter where uh, we are right now, no matter where we've been, it's not too far. God, we're grateful for that. We're grateful for your loving pursuit of us. never stop there has never been there will never be a God like you a love so true there has never been there will never be a God like you, a love so true, there never been, there will never be, a God like you, a love so true, there's never been, there will never be, a God like you. So true, how great, how great, how great is your love, how great, how great, how great is your love, how great, how great, how great is your love for us. Oh, how great, how great. 
great, how great is your love, how great, how great, how great is your love, how great, how great, how great is your love for us, how great is your love for us. And rid of all the shame, 
God, I thank you for this morning, this chance to praise you together. So God, would you receive our praise from our hearts? Would you be glorified in this place today? Spirit, please just move the way you want to move. Do whatever it takes to, uh, to reach your people. God, convict what you need to convict and heal what you need to heal, we ask. God, you know our past, you know our upbringing, you know everything about us. So we know that as you speak to us today that you have those things in mind. God, you know our failures, our successes. God, we're grateful that you know us. You understand us. So God, help us to receive your truth today. Open our hearts. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You can be seated. Valentine's Day to y'all. Yeah, I have to definitely have to throw out also a happy birthday to nice guy Brian. It's important that uh, we were talking earlier this week about uh, him. He really wants to be here this morning. He has got one more vaccine he's got to get before he can be here. But uh, he called me to prep on the sermon because he wanted to know exactly what I was preaching on. Want to know where, if I have my outline ready yet? It just cracked me up. So. Brian's ahead of, this, ahead of all of you. He knows exactly where we're heading this morning. So, Awesome. We're good there? No, that's not what I'm preaching on. <laughs> so I hope, guys, since it's Valentine's Day, you've already got your wife something if you're married. If you haven't, you do have time still. I went above and beyond this year. I got Jen a gift certificate to Cafe 13 <laughs> and a one-year membership to Connects Workspace. So... Just saying, I've went up. You guys better work it. Oh boy, it's, it's my end, isn't it? All right, sanctuary. Boom. Thanks, Mike. 
So I want to continue um, in our series we've been doing and thinking through developing a heart for those who are lost in our world. That word lost is really interesting. It's a word that really means there's a place you can be found. And I think really as we think through what this looks like, I've been wrestling over the last probably eight, ten weeks. Um, in, back in a chapter I hadn't been in for a while, and that's Luke chapter 10, and thinking about the power of moving from one place into new relationships in another place, and what does that look like? And not only with my own agenda, but with the agenda of the Lord and what he wants. And in Luke chapter 10, he opens it up talking about the harvest and the plentifulness of the harvest and what that's about. And that's what we're going to look at today. We're going to understand why Jesus was talking to his disciples about the harvest. But I think it starts with understanding that word lost, understand what it means to be lost. I think the best way to do that is to remember what you felt like when you felt lost. Kevin had mentioned a while back, what are you doing? Snoopy. Man, I'm preaching all kinds of cool stuff here. So what it means to be lost. Uh, Peter and Tracy, thanks for your sharing last week. I think that reminds us all of those times we've been in our places where we felt lost. Now, I was thinking back over my life and when I was sitting at a place at about 18 years old, feeling very purposeless, feeling very lost, feeling very in a place where I just didn't know what was going on and knowing I needed help, knowing something was off. And I think that's really what we have to start from a place of compassion right there and say, what was that like for me? What was that like for my experience at that time? And what's the difference when Jesus begins to help you develop trust, help you develop less worry in your lives? There we are. Thank you. Everyone has to rescue me this morning. This is great. So as we think about that, I really want us all to just kind of dive in and think about your own experience here and what that was like. In Luke chapter 10, the context of this chapter is really interesting. So it starts out in chapter 9 with some really disturbing news. Jesus is talking about calling his disciples to step out and go and follow him into these new places he's about to go. And there's a tension. Is this still messing up? Okay, let's just shut that off and I'll just preach because I will, uh, yeah, I'll just get distracted the whole time. I'll just use this for my notes and we'll, we'll rock and roll. So I think the context of this chapter is he's telling them interesting things like this. Like, you know, if you're going to follow me, let's let the dead bury their dead. And then come follow me. He's saying, if you can't leave it all, and go, you have to go back and do all these things before you follow me. He says, you're not fit for the kingdom of heaven. And it's really some hard struggles because all of us have our priorities in this life. But what he's getting to is he's setting up the context moving into chapter 10 here is this idea of 
Nothing in our lives should be more important than following him and going where he's going. And back in the day, they used to hire mourners when someone would pass away, and they would mourn for weeks, and people would come and wail and mourn. I experienced this when I was in Morocco. Someone had passed away in the same building we were at at the time, and people were just mourning and literally howling for days on end. And it's part of tradition, and Jesus is saying, let the dead bury their dead. We've got to go to the living and show them true eternal life. And there's this perspective, there's this focus. As we jump into chapter 10, we'll see Jesus is sending out his followers. He's sending out the first 72 followers that said, I want to follow you, Jesus. I want to share your message to the nations, and I want to go. And he's calling them two by two to go to the very places he said, I'm about to go. He was sending them forth into this harvest field to prepare people for him. And as they're going along, they go out, and they experience something they've never experienced before. These disciples come back to Jesus, and they're like, Jesus, even the evil spirits are subject in your name. So they go out, and they start talking about Jesus, and evil spirits are leaving people. They're like, whoa, this is a trip. This, this is something we've never experienced before. And Jesus dials them back into their focus again. He says, Oh my gosh, it's so cool. He calls them children. He says, these children, they've experienced something. They've seen the dynamics of the kingdom of heaven. And then he tells them, don't, don't get too excited about that. Celebrate because your name is written in the Lamb's book of life. You have eternal life because you believed in me. So he keeps them focused. And then he goes on and addresses the actions that speak louder than words in our lives. And he tells the story of the great Samaritan. And what it means to love your neighbor. And he tells this religious story. And we're going to come back in a few weeks. And I'm going to teach you on that. And we're going to talk about what is that, that story of the Samaritan that's on his way. And has to stop and help the person who fell in the ditch. And how the religious, the, the priest and the Levite ignored the person who fell in the ditch. And he uses that as an example. This context is so important because we can get so caught up in what we're doing. I've got to tell you a little story from this morning. Driving down Cold Creek Canyon and buzzing past a guy that just got a flat tire. And I'm probably a block away and I say to Jen, oh man, it's so cold out. I feel bad. If I didn't have to go preach this morning, I'd stop and help him. <laughs> Woo! And I got a few more blocks and I had to whip around and be like, follow the Lord. What's going on here? And I was just thinking about this context, how we, we get so focused in what we're doing and we forget to stop and just along the way and be a good neighbor. And our actions do speak louder than our words. And I think it's so important as we come into this context that we begin to understand that doesn't come natural. There's a problem we have to address. And I think this problem really starts right here, doesn't it? In our own stinking thinking, in our own kind of habits in our own, the way we see life starts right here. That's the problem. As we think about having a heart for people that used to be, that are where we used to be, oh my goodness, that's tough. But the beautiful thing is we have a guide and the guide is the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit comes, steps into our lives as we invite him and becomes a new champion, a guide that's going to help us understand when someone's stranded along the road, we need to stop and help. 
It's going to help us understand when someone's going through a hard time and they snap your head off, that's not because of you. It's because something's going on in their life and they need a word of grace, a word of knowledge, a word of love. And the solution that Jesus is giving us in this is this sense of we are called. We are called to go as he would called us to go, to go in this world and share in the midst of this harvest field. Now the harvest field is super interesting because the harvest field is based upon the Lord. I was talking to Donovan about this a little bit, being a farmer. Like there is this sense of you have to depend so much as a farmer for your harvest. You, you can plant that seed in all blindness and just kind of, I hope it does its thing. But you can't make it rain. You can't make the sunshine come out. You can't make the temperatures the right thing to create that harvest to take off. The Lord does that. It's the Lord of the harvest. And it's the same as it relates to us in our lives as well. But this guide is the most important point we have to get this morning. The guide is the Holy Spirit. It's not about our spiritual just pulling ourselves up by our bootstraps and saying, I'm just going to do this right. We need the Spirit of God who has a great bigger heart than you and I to go and care for people and love people and do the best for them. And I think God has a plan for us. That's the key point is the Holy Spirit is the guide, learning to listen to him and realize that Jesus is out there moving in people's lives and has gone to these places before us or is about to come. And we get a chance to make ourselves available and move into these places in this life we're on. I don't know what your journey looks like. I know we all have different journeys. We all find ourselves in different places every day. I don't know what that looks like for you, but your harvest field is the places where Jesus is going. The people he gives you a unique opportunity to connect with is unique to you, but it's also unique to me. We have different places. That's the harvest field he's calling in, us into. Where does he start? We're going to look at Luke chapter 10. First two verses say this. It says, After the Lord had appointed 72 others, he sent them two by two ahead of him into every town and place he was about to go. He told them, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into the harvest field. He tells us right up front, this harvest, it's plentiful. It's like, I was going to say, it's like the picture I put up. Nope. We have a guy here walking through the harvest, and it's like this deep, the wheat harvests. And he's moving through there. It's plentiful. It's about ready to be reaped. It's going to feed thousands and thousands of people. And Jesus is telling us, he's telling his disciples that the harvest is plentiful. There's a lot there. I prepared a lot. I prepared a lot for you to gather up. But he said the problem is the workers are few. But the solution is you can pray for those workers. You can pray to the Lord of the harvest to send forth workers into the harvest field. And that's the key. He's saying stay focused. Stay focused on the harvest field. Chapter 10, verses 3 and 4 says this, Go, I am sending you out like lambs among wolves. Do not take a purse or a bag or sandals, and do not greet anyone along the road, but go. Interesting, because we look at chapter 10, we're going to see, here he's saying, go. Stay focused, don't take anything with you. Go, go, go. Don't get distracted along the road. And then we go on a little later in the chapter, and he's telling, this, telling the, uh, the priest and the Levi, 
stop and help, just like the Good Samaritan did, the guy who fell in the ditch. And so there's this sense of, like, he's showing us kind of his purpose, his agenda, what he's about, what he's going after. And I think this focus in going is so important. We have to go, and we're being invited to step into some vulnerable places. Going is not easy when we feel like it's out of our comfort zone, huh? When you feel like you're supposed to care for someone, reach out, have a conversation, move into some places that just doesn't feel comfortable. I'm a person of comfort. I love comfortable things. I love just being able to keep everything in a certain way around me where I just feel really good about my life. But it's those places where I'm stretched, those places where I have to go that does not feel comfortable, those places and those conversations I have to have that do not feel comfortable, that's where the growth comes. That's where you find there's something beyond yourself, and it's called the Holy Spirit of Truth inside of you, doing something that you can't do or you don't feel comfortable doing yourself, a conversation you don't want to have, but you break into that conversation, you realize that's exactly what was needed for the moment. Staying focused, being in that vulnerable, risky place. And then he says, you know, don't take thing, things with you. Don't take your purse, don't take your bags, don't take your sandals. What he's saying here, he's saying, you don't need your resources. You don't, I'm not counting on your resources. Dan, I hope you got enough money in your wallet so you can make it through and do this work for me today. That's not what he's counting on. He's not counting on our riches, our worldly possessions. He's counting on himself. He is our resource. He is our giver. He is our provider. He is the one who is going to go set this all up on our behalf. And all he's saying is step out and go and trust the Holy Spirit. Trust the conversation. And then as we go through this, we find that he's interesting statement. He says, go find the person of peace. I want to unpack that a little bit. My brain, when I read this story, I see men and women in robes in Israel, in Jerusalem, from like movies. I see these in my head, and I'm kind of envisioning what's happening, and I'm seeing this go on. I'm seeing Jesus sending out his followers. But I've been really asking myself and challenging myself, what does that look like? What are the principles that carry generation to generation to generation into the 21st century today that you and I dress like this today in Golden, Colorado can apply here. And he says this, starting in verse 5, he says, When you enter a house, first say peace to this house. If someone who promotes peace is there, your peace will rest on them. If not, you'll, it'll return to you. Stay there eating and drinking whatever they give you, for the worker deserves his wages. And do not move around from house to house. Here's what we're hearing here. He's saying, go and look for this person of peace. Question is, what does that person of peace look like? What does that person that God wants you to see look like? I think the word peace is the key here. It's the shalom. It's this person that carries just a peace. I, I like to describe it as lots of relationships over the years, and I look back and I enter into them. They're brand new. We're looking at each other in the eyes for the very first time. And there's something kindred there. There's this like, I want to be your friend, you want to be my friend, let's have a conversation. There's something that connects that I can't quite explain. And as that connection starts to happen, there becomes this sense of, okay, we're in this together. 
But the key here is Jesus is sending these people out. He says, you go to a house, you find that person of peace. It's easy in our spiritual pride to think, well, here I am. I'm the rescuer. I'm showing up to bring peace. He's not saying that here. It's just like the harvest. He makes it grow. We don't. We're not here to save people. He is. So he's inviting us to recognize the people's life he's working in and he's about to go to. And then he's inviting you to step in and bring your peace to mesh with that person's peace. Because you have a message. You understand where that peace comes from. You understand what he's done in you. You understand you have this heart for the lost because you've been there. You've been rescued in that same way. That's what he's wanting you to understand. You're looking for those who are promoting peace. And then he says, if favor will rest in that relationship. Favor will rest in that relationship. And then he says, once that favor rests, he says, stay right there. When you enter a town and are welcomed, eat what is offered to you. Heal the sick who are there and tell them the kingdom of God has come near to you. That's verse 8. The kingdom of God has come near to you. He said, stay, eat and drink what's put before you. Build relationship. He says, don't bounce around from house to house. When God gives you a connection and a relationship, build that relationship. Sometimes I think in our, again, hyper-spiritual mindsets, we think more is better. We think, okay, if I can just tell more people about Jesus more and more and more. He's, he's saying, no, I want you to value people like I value people. Stay with them. Connect with them. Journey with them. Answer their questions. Have meals. Build on that favor. And what will begin to happen, I've seen this happen time and time and time again, is you move into the environments, that person of peace steps up, they begin to serve Jesus, and they start to touch their people with the power and presence of God. Oftentimes we think we're the ones that need to do that. But, you know, if you think about back to the context here. He's sending these disciples into new places. He's not expecting them to all of a sudden be everybody's mother, brother, sister, father. He said, go to them. They have their relationships. They have their favor in their connections. You go in, identify that person of peace, encourage, disciple, bring God's presence and kingdom there. And then they will begin to turn and touch people in their environments. And again, so often I think in our Christianity, we think we're the ones that are going to come save the day. That's not it. We're to move in and be the presence of Jesus through the Holy Spirit to foster what's already going on in those relationships. I think of what we were just watching with, with Cesar this morning and, and Nicaragua and all that. Mike and Katie went and committed some time there, but they found people of peace there. They left. And look, it's still going. It's just still going. And still, there's people there that are connecting with their people. And Jesus' message is spreading. God just said, go and be faithful. But it wasn't on them. They didn't have to go and make it all happen. But sometimes I think we put that on ourselves, don't we? And God has a plan there that he wants us to understand. And in all this, we get the chance to tell people, who rules our lives? Why do you do that? First Peter 5. 3.15, you know, always be prepared to give an answer for the hope that is within you, but do this with gentleness and respect. You can hear that same thing happen there. It says, set apart the Lord Jesus in your heart and always be prepared to give an answer for the reason of that hope that's within you. 
but do it with gentleness and respect. That's, that, that's the same message. We move into these places, but we get a chance to share. And that's where he says things like, you know, heal the sick that are there. Pray for the people that you connect with. Donovan and I have talked about this a lot through, through Neighborhood Rehab, this idea of we get to hear so many needs over the years of people just, it has really nothing to do with their roofs leaking, even though that's a big deal. But they start pouring out their hearts. And just to be able to say to them, you know, hey, we're praying dudes. Can we pray for you? And that opportunity is so, I, I rarely ever someone says, nope, don't pray for me. I've had that happen, but not too often. Usually they're like, yes, thank you. And then I'll say, do you want me to pray with you right now or just take that back to my house and pray? And sometimes they'll say, yeah, take that with you or they'll go ahead and pray. Like just hear the respect in that. That's what it looks like. You're not trying to force your message in thinking we can save them if we pray the right prayer or we get them to do something spiritual with us. That's not what it's about. It's moving in and bringing peace, seeing favor, and telling them what you believe. That the kingdom of God has come near to you, wants to come near to them. And there's an authority there, just like the disciples when they came back said, Jesus, the evil spirits come out in your name. Like, they were shocked. And we should be shocked too, because the authority of God changed our lives and can change others as well. But as we think about this, we have to really think about purpose. And in verses 10 through 16, it really unpacks some purpose here that is, I love the, can I just say the edginess of the gospel and the kingdom of God? I love, there's, there's a sharp edge here. It's not wishy-washy. Listen to these words. He says, but when you enter a town and are not welcome, go into these streets and say, even the dust of your town we wipe off from our feet as we warned you. Yet be sure of this, the kingdom of God has come near. I tell you, it will be more bearable on that day for Sodom than for that town. Woe to you, Cortezin. Woe to you, Bethesda. For if the miracles that were performed in you had been performed in Tyre or Sidon, they would have repented long ago, sitting in sackcloth and ashes. But it will be more bearable for Tyre and Sidon at the day of judgment than for you. And you, Capernaum, you will be lifted to the heavens. No, you will go down to Hades. Whoever listens to you listens to me. Whoever rejects you rejects me. But whoever rejects me rejected the one who sent me. These are some powerful words. There, there's a sharp edge to the gospel here. And he's saying we need to be really careful in how we invest our time. What is the purpose of our journey? We're not there just hoping we can bring peace everywhere we go. We're looking for that person of peace. We're connecting. We're staying. But when it's not there, God is saying, my mission field, my harvest field's large. Go to the next place. And he's saying, like, they're not rejecting you. They're rejecting me, he's saying. That's the point of this. He's saying, wipe the dust off your feet. Don't even let that cling to you. Move on. Because they're rejecting me. And that doesn't mean we do this out of arrogance or spiritual pride and be like, ah, sorry, you don't like Jesus? I'm out of here. That's not what's being said here. It's being said that we need to realize God has an investment of time, and time is short. And we have a message to share of the kingdom of heaven everywhere we go. And we need to be faithful to that. And when we find those places, and I've been in it way too many times where you just start investing, investing, and you realize, like, the words 
and the relationship is just falling on deaf ears and that person is not ready maybe down the road God will send another one of his workers and that person will be ready but if that person is not ready it's okay you don't have to write them off it just says keep your focus on my purpose love people well and move on and find that person of peace in your everyday life I believe it's important to understand that God is giving us a responsibility here. It's a call. And again, that problem is ourselves. It's our own getting stuck in our own heads and thinking we don't have something to offer or living in fear when God's just saying, take my peace, take my message, take the authority that I've used to change your life and share that story with others. And care for those who are where you used to be. Never forget Never forget where you've come from. Never forget what it was like when you start, to, you start for the first time to feel some hope in your life. You start to feel purpose in your life because it was beyond yourself. I think every one of us in this room and every human being on the face of the earth wants to be a part of something bigger than ourselves. I love, Gus, you've said this for years. If you want to get depressed, just think about yourself for a long time. You'll get really depressed. Like... God has created us to think outside of ourselves, to think about others first. That's important. And I think we need to continue to move and keep that focus as we go forward. So in application today, I'm going to keep it simple. Three words, pray, go, and stay. Pray, go, and stay. Number one, talk to the one in charge of the harvest. Pray to God of the harvest to send forth workers into his harvest field, as he says here. And be available if you're that worker. And usually I've learned when I'm that worker, I don't feel like doing it. It's not the easy thing to do. It's not what just comes natural. I have to step outside and push in and be a part of it. Graham and I, in the construction industry, we. I could honestly say 98% of our clients are amazing. God gives us such amazing people that we get to work with. But there's that 2% that just makes our lives really, really hard. And he just, God just keeps challenging us. Those are the people we need to go sit down with and just share our hearts. And in that, beautiful things happen. In that, a relationship gets restored. In that, we get to be something different than most contractors in the world. And I love that. I love that. Do I like doing that? No, I hate it. Absolutely hate the idea of doing that. It is so hard for me. But it feels so right once you just move in, look people in the eyes, and share your heart. And joke around like, Graham, it's time to go have a come to Jesus. Let's go. You know, and it's like, it's awkward, but it's so good. And it's some of these people that have been our biggest struggles have become some of our connecting points that we look back and be like, oh, so glad we did that project. That was awesome. And I think, you know, your world looks different every, everywhere you go. Each of you have different spheres of influence. Pray about that. And then be willing to go. Be willing to step out into places that don't feel quite right. It's okay. You won't die. Maybe you will. But I don't think so. 
I think you'll be all right. Step in. Have those hard, critical, crucial conversations and see what happens. Bring that peace into it. Don't go to fight with people. Go to have peace. Bring peace. See what the favor of God will do in those situations. And then stay. Don't be in a hurry. Don't be in a hurry. Stay in those places where God has given you favor. Build relationships. Share your stories with people. Listen to their stories. And God will do all the saving. He'll do all the revealing. He'll do his work. He's, he's a master at that. He created every one of us. He is our savior. We are not the saviors. We are just the carriers of the kingdom of heaven and his message and a story. That's why I appreciated so much, Pete and Tracy, you guys sharing last week. I've had so many conversations this week of people being transparent about their stories because you are transparent about your story. That is key. We all have to just remember that. Oftentimes you think if you share the transparency and the struggle of your story, people will reject you. It's usually the opposite. If you'll just be transparent and share what you're going through, what your struggle is, where you've come from, people respect you more. They want to connect with you more. I think that's the beauty. The gospel is totally backwards to how the world works. Completely backwards. Sometimes I find myself, I get in my flesh, and I'm thinking, I'm struggling, and I'll just tell myself, do the opposite of what you're thinking right now. And it's usually what the Spirit's saying. Oh, that person just ticked me off. I don't even want to talk to him. I don't want to see him. I don't want to call him. If you see him and call him, that's usually what the Spirit's doing. It's the opposite, isn't it? It's a completely different kingdom than the kingdom of this world. So pray to the Lord of the harvest, to send forth workers. Be willing to go and then stay. Build relationship. Don't be a flash in the pan, in and out. Build relationship. And leave the rest to God. He'll do wonderful things. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, I thank you so much for this day. I thank you for the opportunity to pause, worship you, Declare your worth in our lives and be a part of a story that's been going on from the beginning of time. You're an amazing God. You love us. You love all human beings and you just invite us to be involved in a way that is uh, so profound. So God, we answer your call. We welcome your challenges. We invite you, Holy Spirit, to give us ears to hear what you're speaking and Give us the uh, obedience and the gumption just to follow. Be true to what you've called us to. So, Lord, we love you. We thank you for this day. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks, Dan. I've told Dan this before, but I just, just appreciate how um, the Holy Spirit just uses him to just simplify so many things that, that we have complicated. Um, the gospel is simple. I love how Dan uh, just lives it out and gives examples of how we can live it out in our, in our daily lives and um, knowing that 
It's Jesus who saves, Jesus who changes, Jesus who moves and convicts hearts. And we just need to live our lives with that in mind. And um, these people of peace and these people that God wants to put in our path will will show up. And that's just a, a weight lifted. So... God, we just um, ask for that. As we worship you right now, I pray that you would just simplify things that we have complicated, that we would truly surrender to you.
take my time here on the sun. Let it glorify all that you are. For I have nothing. Oh, I have nothing without you. Worship him together as we leave before we leave. What a wonderful name. 
Cause death could not hold you The veil tore before you And you silenced the voice of sin and grave And the heavens are roaring The praise of your glory that there is no one like you. God, we thank you for your power. 
God, we thank you for your grace. And God, we thank you that you call undeserving people, you save us, Lord, and then you send us out. God, help us to love this world well. Lord, I ask in this week that we would be people that share your truth and boldness and that we love well, we serve well. Holy Spirit of God, would you just speak to us and show us, God, where you want us to just step into someone's life and help them and encourage them and bless them, God, through your name. Give us eyes to see and ears to hear. God, I confess that sometimes my eyes are not on the right place. God, we don't want to waste our days. Break our heart with what breaks yours, Lord Jesus. And empower us by your spirit because we know that it's you who saves. It's your kindness that leads people to repentance. So God, would you use us, an undeserving people, clothed by the blood of Jesus. Thank you, Lord, for this place. Thank you that we can come together and even in our messiness and God, we can gather together and worship your name. May you be blessed in Jesus' name. Amen. Have a great week. Happy Valentine's Day.